Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, with us is Dr. Andrew Peak. I'm the, the doctor, doctor again. is back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I am back. It's been a it's been a fun week. It has. Yeah, we launched the online sales and marketing summit um, to those on the VIP list and uh, happy to say that we sold out in just under an hour. 150 tickets gone, gone to the uh, VIP list. Did not make it public again. Yep. And I tell this to builder partners all the time. Whenever we're talking about the pre-sale without fail process, they're always like, well, you, you do it even with the with the summit, right? And absolutely. We do uh, use that same process with the summit to make sure that we sell out quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like you as the builder, there's definitely still stress and tension. And is it going to sell as fast or slower? And so now there's like this this own thing in my, in my own head where it's like, man, I, I, I want it to sell out quickly. I also want to make sure, though, that everyone who I mean, I wish there was a way that everyone who wanted to come could. And I don't want anyone to have a bad experience. Um, so, you know, just home builders all the time, I guess, is what I'm saying is they're like, well, I don't I don't know if I want to. um put people in this situation or they worry about having too many people show up at a, at a VIP preview event and maybe mm-hmm. there won't be enough food or it'll feel crowded. And it's like, yep, all that might happen. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you're going to a really great restaurant, which I saw you went to yesterday, Andrew, we did pretty cool place. You pretty might, cool. you might have to wait 15, 20 minutes to get a seat. Right. And mm-hmm. that's not an inconvenience. It's a proof that the restaurant that you're about to eat at is worth going to. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it all, a lot of psychology. Yeah. yeah it's, deep, deep thoughts to start the podcast, but yeah, it was good to, Man. good to sell out and sell out quickly. And, um, we do have a wait list that people can hop on, uh, as typically happens, people will end up, um, not being able to come because they didn't realize that it was their, wife's or husband's birthday or their anniversary, or they're supposed to go on a cruise. That kind of stuff always ends up happening after people book tickets because of the mad rush. So, you know, I'd expect we'd probably have five to 10 tickets that will become available yeah. from people who are, uh, who are unable to make it. Mm-hmm. A few might open up. It was interesting. This is my second year uh, for the summit, but people already joining the wait list. Like as soon as the tickets sold out, that's, that's pretty yep. cool. Yeah, but so make sure you Seems you do have to kind of re-sign up for that. The other reason we love selling out quickly is because then we can stop talking about it. Because I know that there's also a percentage of people in the true. audience who are like enough already, you know. And this is the only thing that we really keep promote uh, ever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just nice to have it done and be like, now we can just get back to the content that everyone's looking to hear more about. Story time. story time, story time, story time. Do you want to go first? Want me to uh, go sure. First? Yeah. Um, get ready for the old man rant, I guess, is I, you know, oh, man, I, I, I have continued to use Twitter, uh, not to Will Duterstat levels, but I am still on there regularly, usually as I'm waiting for one of my kids to fall asleep outside of their door so that they don't get out of bed. Um, but, but I am on there regularly of course, on Facebook and social media and, and any news site, I just, people are still losing their minds about um, Facebook and the data breach that happened and talking about things like the weaponization of social media. And, um, and I get it. I mean, again, we talked about this. I think we don't want it to be a political show. 
I'm not happy with any politicians ever. Let me just say that. I am apolitical. I wish I could just go live yep, in a cave and we could still have streets. And, and so, again, if you are political minded, that's great. If you're not, that's great, too. I think I, I just feel like people are they're they're assuming that there is a power out there that is not there. Um, and it kind of just clicked to me. I saw I, I saw agree. someone made a tweet that said something to the extent of the data breach that we're talking about isn't your name, your phone number, et cetera. It is the ability to influence and change your behavior based upon knowing what you are able to be um, fall prey to. And I'm like, in a, in a sense, uh, that is advertising, period. End of story. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, uh, you'd say the, you know, a TV ads are different, right? Because, but there's a percentage of that audience that that TV ad is actually made for. And then I was going to say, it's just more efficient. Yeah, It's not, you know I mean? Like there's just more, there was previously more overlap with like, oh, we don't want that message going to this person and this person. And now they could just have more accurate messaging on the ads, but it still happened before. Yeah. There was still, you know, why did everyone smoke for so long? I don't know, because mm-hmm. the, they use data. I mean, this is data manipulation in lots of ways. They manipulated data to say that smoking was not harmful to your health and then they said, it's cool. And so the percentage of the population that wanted to look cool and rebellious, they kept smoking or they were influenced to smoke. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand. I think there's this misperception that the year is actually 40, whatever, Blade Runner 30, 45, whatever that movie was, where, <laughs> or, or what's that uh, Tom Cruise movie that you referenced before? Minority, uh, Minority yeah. Report. We, we're not there yet, folks. Like, I can show you a beautiful home, but... For goodness sakes, if anyone out there could figure out how to just get the brain dead zombies on social media to purchase a home, they have no business buying, needing or wanting just because they are heavily influenced by what a certain brand or type of person has to say or they like rock music. I I just this magical power, I really don't think it exists. So I just, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the powers that are available in the 360 topic this week, but. I mean, do you, you're the, you're the true millennial check on all this, Andrew, because I'm at the edge of the millennial bandwidth. I am. It, That's right. Am I missing something else? I, it's, no, I don't, I don't think so. And I'm, uh, I'm 28, so I think I'm on the middle to lower end of mm-hmm. millennial. I'll have to look up the Wikipedia <laughs> definition on that. Um, but I, I grew up with internet middle school, but not as elementary. So I think it's a little bit different than those that, that is all they've known is, is mm-hmm. all that but i agree I, I think it's maybe it's just the headline and it's staying in the headlines it's an easy talking point people like it because it's it's like on the edge of conspiracy theory without going into that category of like oh you think the earth is flat chemtrails and like all that sort of stuff but it, it's close there it's very close so it's exciting to talk about and and it's still unknown so like no one like if you have a conversation with people around your office or like say anywhere no one really knows who is right and who's wrong so it's okay to talk about yeah and i guess i don't know as far as, far as social interaction around a topic like those rules are still anyone can say anything and it's okay. yeah and the reason i keep bringing it back to the political thing is just because i think it was an awakening like again we we go back to could uh hillary Clinton have used social media the same way absolutely was there mm-hmm. obviously an inherent belief that it wasn't 
um, a great mechanism to get a message out that people would actually pay attention to? Yeah. Like it's obviously a wake up call that using and putting all that money into social media would have been regardless of how granular the targeting was, regardless, it would have been a more effective strategy than putting in millions of dollars in television. Oh, definitely. And I still think there's a, a core thing you're not talking about is just the make America great again. And we're getting really political. <laughs> and then like I'm with her, it's completely, they're different. One is focused on, on the United States and one is focused on this person. Yeah, but... And so I think if it's completely different, like what they talked about. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree with that, but I also think it has nothing to do with messaging. In this case, it was simply betting on the right platform was better. And I think mm -hmm. if the same oh. uh, intensity had been used on social media, the doubt would have been different. But I think that's where that's why it comes back to there must be this magical power that it has, because that's the only explanation that a lot of people can come up to as to why we have the person in the office that we do is some, something must have transformed people's brains magically. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. again, I, I, I'm not, it's not either side thing. It's just a, um, there's, oh, there is a limit to all this stuff and you can't cause people to do something that they have no inclination to do already. And it's what advertising has always been done. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more uh, yeah. scientific uh, with the help of Caldini and the 360 uh, topic on influence and what, how we actually can influence people as marketers and, and salespeople. But that's, that's just, I don't know how to, the thing is, Andrew, I don't know how to start this conversation out in the world without people thinking immediately that I am on one side of the political aisle or, or another, because I think that's mm -hmm. where a lot of it, stems from is this, um, what, what happened in politics and understandably. So again, I, yeah, I get it, but I just I don't agree. know how to even broach that without people just immediately thinking I must be wearing a make American grand t-shirt, which I'm not, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. It's, I feel the same way. All right. Well, yeah, take us, I take do, us down I a do. notch. You well, got something not quite so serious. <laughs> I got this is not serious. This is humor. This is um, Pinellas County. I'm, so I live down here in Tampa Bay by the beaches. And if you're a realtor in this area, um, in Pinellas County, we're almost all existing homes. We're like, we're, we're built out. There's nothing new. I say that back. There's very, very, very little new. So for a realtor to sell a beach property, that's a nice commission. Like everything's at least half a million dollars plus mm -hmm. um, high demand for it. It's, and usually it's a little bit newer than what is not on the water. So I saw this fan on the way in and it's like a, a moving truck and there's this tagline on the top. It says, buy or sell a home with us, dot, 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 use this truck for free, yourbeachteam.com. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, why is that even, I'm like, if I'm buying a home on the beach, it's at least half million. Da, da, da. I don't want to get this. And it doesn't even look that nice. It's not like it's like, oh, that's a really nice moving van. I'm going to put all my stuff in. Like it's, it's got like rusty wheels. It's pretty. Ooh, I would not want to be seen in it. And I would rather rent something if I'm moving myself um, or just pay someone to do all the moving. But I'm like, this is such a terrible. Yeah, commercial. I'm pretty sure the tires um, on this picture yeah, that you're cool. showing me here um, can't. It's, it's not bad. even they're not properly sized to support the weight of that truck. They look like little. Uh, oh, big no. wheel tires on a on a moving truck it does it's so bad so it just made me think about like oh are there promotions that you're doing 
not you, but any builder is doing that are just, are just terrible. Is that, is that mean? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Usually someone will come up with an idea and like, Hey, let's do this. And it's like, Oh, okay. And like the meeting kind of ends and then that's just what ends up happening. And then it goes out and there's no feedback. Nothing happens with the promotion, but it's still like all the effort to promote it. Emails, Facebook ads, remarketing ads. Oh, let's suggest the Google ads. Like there's a lot of work for this terrible promotion. Yeah. And I, there's two parts to that. I think is promotions, generally speaking, um, in our business don't do nearly as much. Um, so there's, there's like the, what it is you're promoting. And then there's just promotions generally. And like, who are you talking to? If it's, if it's someone who doesn't yet know what your offering is, has an expressed interest that you're not essentially remarketing to, then it, it yep. not only is terrible from the sense of that's an ugly looking truck and that's a dumb reason to want to work with you. Um, it's also just bad because the connotation is that truck is a representation even more so of that company's brand. Cause that's all you know about them, right? Is that truck? Yeah. And it looks awful and it looks awful and it's, <laughs> and, it's and it's, awful. and it's silly and it's, and yep. it's dumb. So I think there's, there's a couple different parts to what you're talking about, but I still, um, home builders are doing this, uh, stuff still. I don't understand it right now, but I don't know of anyone, um, who's doing these kind of like was, is pricing or incentives. Mm -hmm. I mean, nope. more, much more often it is builder partners sending emails about this was our best month of sales in company history. And we just got two of those yesterday. Um, we did. Those were come fun. through. Now's not the time. And if it is, uh, it's, a, it's an admonition. I think that someone in your operations group doesn't know how to actually go to market with the product, meaning you're not building the right houses with the right stuff and I'm at the right price. Yep. And that's, that's not a marketing advertising problem. That's a marketing operations problem. Definitely. Oh, I like that. That's a marketing operations problem. Oh. Yep. Strong. Someone who probably is making more money than anyone listening on this podcast um, <laughs> in most organizations. <laughs> uh, some, someone higher up the food chain is, is messing up if you have to run a lot of promotions. That's right. All right, let's move on to the news. We got uh, three good ones as, as typical. Andrew, yeah. we'll get us started here on, started. on number one. Um, we have two really nerdy ones, so I'm excited for those. So the first one is from Search Engine Land um, from Google. They are yet again testing another ad size for Google Search. You know, if you remember mm. a while ago, they, they added two headlines, and now that's the standard. Mm -hmm. Now they're testing adding three headlines. And so it's what they're calling a responsive search ad. So it just gives them more flexibility to show more or less depending on device and then your the real estate if they'll make more money off of your ad versus someone else because your ad performs better so it's it's pretty cool it's not out there yet for i i checked quite a few accounts today looking for it and i did not see it anywhere so it's still super 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 beta as far as i don't i don't know anyone who has mm -hmm. it and i messaged a few other people out there and like hey have you seen this, this is pretty sweet but that's a lot of writing as far as like coming up with new ads that's a lot of space yeah. um but it's good though because Gives you more chance to qualify for other people, attract the right person. Well, and I, you know, further down in the article, it talks about, you know, still a best practice for the first part of that ad copy to be very related to the keywords that are being typed in. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it kind of feels like they're admitting that the algorithm and the way that AdWords works, you know, we talk about this with, with builder partners all the time, is you don't necessarily have a lot of space to be creative because you you've got to get those keywords in there. And you want to show pricing to help qualify whether they should or shouldn't click. 
And so you don't have much space left. So it's kind of like, to me, it feels like they're saying, you know what, maybe having some more quote unquote creative copy availability um, by having that extra line does perform better. I agree. I agree. And I don't know if you saw in there, but there, there is still, there's space for two descriptions. So there'd be mm. another headline, which I believe is you know, currently it's 30 characters, 30 characters for each headline. There'll be another mm -hmm. line and then there'll be two descriptions. I could write, I think, I believe those are 90 characters each. So that's, wow. Yeah, that's some work. So it's almost, it's and it also matches up to how they're pulling in those those larger SERPs, you know, just instant answers like mm -hmm. Andrew uh, from Lunametrics was talking about. It's just, here's an instant answer. The ads are going to feel more like that if they end up having this much copy in them. That's right. All right, what's next? That's a good one. Oh, this is a good one. And I, I really only saw one feature that I was excited about, so I need to pull up the article to see if there's anything else more exciting. But so I use AdWords Editor. And if you're not using AdWords Editor to make bigger changes on your ads um, in Google AdWords, then you probably should download it, get used to it. It's super, super easy. You could search for yeah. ads. I'm raising my hand it. here. Dr. Dr. Andrew. Yes. Dr. Andrew. What is, what is it? Uh, what is it though? What is it? It's a, it's the desktop application to manage your Google ads. So you don't have the loading time. Okay. If you click your campaign and then it loads to the ads, the ad groups, you click the ad group and then it loads to the ads. And then you can finally edit your ads. You could just download your whole account to your desktop and click on ads and say you want to update everything that was um, previously at 300K. You're bringing up your minimum prices to 325. You could just search all your ads that had 300 in it, find and replace 300 and replace it with 325, click the upload button, and then you're done. And you could very quickly view every ad that you have on there. So it's really good for like quality checks. Yep. checking URLs in case you had any updates like that. It's, I don't know how you'd work a big account without yeah. it. It's kind of like Microsoft office to run your AdWords campaigns. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like Excel. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So this new version lets you pull in the search query report and the search query report is what people actually type in that triggers your ads to be displayed. Mm -hmm. And from there you could be like, Oh, we are in, I don't know, uh, Clayton, North Carolina, and people are typing in Clayton Holmes. Oh no, we don't really want to show up for that or yep. whatever other terms that like we, that you could miss when you set up the account. So now you could pull it all into AdWords editor and you could just, in my opinion, much more easily digest what's going on there and create, you know, groups of negative keywords to prevent those searches from happening in the future. Those wasted clicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you don't have to go back online anymore. You can just do that all in the editor. Correct. Yep. That so just, cool. just more efficient. Take out the friction of like clicking and searching. So you could really spend, say, half an hour doing that. And this looks like, okay, in like five minutes, maybe. If you're used to mm -hmm. doing that process, you could be done, done with that. So big time saver. That's awesome. That is awesome. And we cheated on the last one. It's really it eight mini articles in one, but this is a great article from TechCrunch on everything you need to know that was announced at or launched at F8, um, which is Facebook's developer conference. And um, there are some big things in here and there are some kind of interesting and then there's some not really sure if we care. So we're not going to cover <laughs> L8. Um, made a better clickbait headline for TechCrunch, but we yeah. don't need to cover all eight. Uh, so the first one is the clear history, which I got to be honest, um, I'm still skeptical, 
but I never thought we'd even get this far beyond the, I'm sorry, but we're really not going to do anything. Um, they're at least traveling further down that it looks like we might do something, whether they really will and what it'll feel like. But tell, tell everyone a little bit about what, what this clear history option is supposedly going to be able to do. Yeah. So supposedly, you know, if you have your browser, Chrome, Mozilla, you could go to the settings and clear your history and it deletes all your cookies on there, a chocolate chip, oatmeal raisin. No, I'm just kidding. All the, um, <laughs> all the, you know, that's, that stores the data. Like when you log into say Amazon and that stores that you logged into there or whatever other website and it stores that information that you did on that website. So it clears what you search and this, how a browser typically works. You clear your history. It clears all the actions you took within the browser. And that's going back like old school. Like that's always been an option to do that. Um, so it will, in theory, what Facebook is saying, like, hey, we'll give you that type of option on your Facebook account. So if you clicked on this person's photo, if you like this, if you commented on that, anything you did within Facebook, you could delete and have like, okay, I start over, mm -hmm. supposedly, which would then reset your preferences on like how Facebook tailors the ads to your account based on what you do. Yeah. Which they have to start somewhere. So it's like, mm. You want to hear my you want to hear my conspiracy theory on this one? I do. I do. So I think what's going to happen is it's going to clear out the implicit specific data. But I think if you're essentially in if something you've done would put you in an id market segment for Facebook ads, mm -hmm. I think you're still going to be in there generally. It's just the specific data that ultra privacy hawks are concerned about. That's not going to be there anymore, but they have said basically there will still be aggregate data left behind. Just the specifics will be gone. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, so it's, it's kind of like that uh, close the door elevator button that doesn't actually work. but makes you feel better. That's right. This is the, this is your feel better button about privacy on Facebook. But <laughs> I don't I don't know. And then you also had shared in the market proof marketing group that other place you can go to kind of proactively remove different uh apps and companies that have access to yep. uh and you maybe, in some form or another maybe it would affect that like um and if you check out the market proof marketing um, facebook group there's i pretty sure i put put two links in there one link and it goes to your mm -hmm. account and it shows all of the custom audiences that you were a part of for businesses that uploaded your email or other contact information on their ad account and if you go in there, you're like, what is going on? There's like 500. This is crazy. Um, at least mine was that much and a bunch of stuff. I had no idea um, what it was. But they could also, that could also be not anything related to Facebook. They could just be scraping like LinkedIn and getting emails and just uploading emails. So that could really be mm -hmm. come from anywhere. Um, but then also has. Yeah. And it was yeah. not intuitive to use and it was oh, not it was easy. Terrible. I mean, I think I spent 15, 20 minutes unchecking mm -hmm. uh, different different boxes and just kept going. You know, again going, uh, my wife was like that looks really cool are you really you can really do that and i said yeah she said send me the link i want to do it i sent it to her a week ago or whenever that was and she hasn't touched it since so i think that's just nice <laughs> um love you mel but I, I think that's the general population is gonna be like okay there's this thing it's gonna make me feel better but mm -hmm. actual actually being usable is one thing and then what it actually does is gonna be another okay so that was the clear history which mm -hmm. is the big Big uh, newsmaker. And then face, face date. date, essentially, 
um, a dating feature combining um, some of the aspects of Tinder and 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 Match.com and the like to associate with your Facebook profile, but it's creating a separate uh, but connected version of your Facebook profile specifically for dating. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That is. And somehow I read about this because I'm like, oh, this is weird. And then also if you saw, I believe the, um, uh, the match group is the publicly trade company that owns tender. Yeah. They're, yeah. Uh-huh. They're, they're, uh, share values fell quite a bit once this was launched. 22% like, in one day. Weird. Yep. Yeah. That's, that is depressing for them. Um, yeah, but somehow it's this thing right here. It's not visible to friends and you cannot make connections with friends, which mm-hmm. is, Super interesting. I'm like, this is going to be like an issue. Um, And you'll have dedicated inbox uh, where all this messaging will go. But, you know, I was just thinking that hot topic of the buyer journey. um, Does does this create a new ad opportunity for home builders where as soon as someone is in a steady relationship via the Facebook uh, dating uh, service, then do you start serving them ads saying, hey, you know, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the new house and a baby carriage or... Ooh, How does that? I like it. You know, that is very <laughs> creative. <laughs> I would stay away from that with a 10 foot pole mm-hmm. if I were an advertiser. Um, all right. right. Uh, so dating services. Then this next one's kind of interesting. Just again, the idea of connecting people, but video chat uh, being an option kind of be like house party. If you've ever used that app before where you have multiple uh, video chats going on or and single video chats like a FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, on all their platforms and right now you can do it on WhatsApp, but that's the only one. And they're talking about bringing that into Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. The Instagram one was pretty cool. Um, I don't use WhatsApp. Do you use WhatsApp? I do not. Do not. I don't know who uses WhatsApp. Maybe it's outside the U S uh, drug sure. dealers, I think is drug the big dealers? one, right? Okay. Drug dealers. Number one. And yep. Cause <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's two. a more secure, it is secure. it's a more secure way to communicate. Uh, and so that's always been the joke is drug dealers and, and people who are just trying to hide activity from others are, are using it, but it is, it is a very popular app uh, globally. Yes, definitely is. The, uh, Instagram video chat is pretty cool the way it, and it's, you know, the platform that everyone uses and which I think is even better. Like, even though there's other services that do the exact same thing now it's like right there. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, cool. I could have four or five people on my screen, however many it is, um, at the same time, which is pretty pretty neat yeah that the house party we we use that app to plan our um 22 person family vacation oh to the beach uh last year but it was great it was just everyone all you had to do was have your iphone and download the app and we could all do a video chat together um very easy i think um that service is gone it's, it's don't, don't bother looking for it it's not worth getting oh, now shoot. especially since it's going to be built into That's right to Facebook and Instagram, uh, VR memories and 3d photos. Now this is, this is the cool and crazy. Um, so there's two things here. One is just being able to accept three dimensional photographs and, and, um, VR content so that they can continue that whole, like, Hey, remember this happened five Mm -hmm. years ago thing with the latest, um, content format. That was cool. But if you look at this article in particular, they're showing this really crazy, what they're going to do is they're going to take multiple images, like all the different images that you've ever taken, say, in this case, your family room. And through stitching together small parts of all those different images, they're going to create a pseudo 3D space of your family room and then let you view a particular image in full um, HD kind of 
perspective. So the example they show here is this family room with a window and there's drapery on either side. And then it's showing a picture of a kid standing in front of that window, opening the drapes uh, in much higher quality and clarity, but in this kind of pseudo 3D environment. And that is it is crazy. It's, crazy. it's creepy. It's no, like creepy. A, it's, it's very cool. It kind of looks like Lawnmower Man. I mean, it is a little creepy just because I don't you know, it's a it's an example like data privacy of I didn't realize this could even be possible, that all these small, meaningless mm -hmm. photos I've taken of my family room over the last 10 years could be stitched together to create a 3D environment. Uh, and I didn't know. even know yeah, I was doing it. Jeez, the algorithms around that have to be insane as far as matching up like the images mm -hmm. and trying. I, that's just blows my mind. That's some crazy stuff. Yep. So again, if you're like, I do not understand what the heck he's trying to describe. Uh, the clearest way is it's very and then the picture I'm like I just when you said that I just now got that as far as like oh that's where the picture was taken mm -hmm. and that's and then it shows like the likes and comments on the picture within like where it actually was in real life exactly exactly here comes the rain again that's not a song Man, that's what's happening I outside that. I was gonna say is it Sorry. raining over that's so, and it's windy too it hurricane, is uh, hurricane Ohio so just for clarity, again, this is turning two dimensional photographs into uh, VR memories uh, is the clearest, simplest way. It's just it's, it's crazy. You got to go check out the photo. Yeah. Check it out. All right. Well, let's um, take a quick break. Let the rain pass. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk about uh, influence, the concept of influence based upon Robert Caldini's landmark uh, work from 1984, but still being applied today to talk about what are these secret Jedi mind tricks that marketers and salespeople and really all humans use on a regular basis to try to get people to take action that what you want them to do? We'll be right back. The rain has stopped and we are back with this week's 360 topic discussion on influence. And specifically, we're going to be digging through the landmark uh, book and study by Robert Caldini, who wrote Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. And it is must reading for anyone who's in marketing and sales. Uh, and what happened is Robert Caldini did a large research study when he was at, I believe, Arizona State University professor there and studied every major people group in the world that he could and found these six common principles of influence. And by influence, he means moving people towards taking a desired action. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break down these six things, talk about how marketers and advertisers specifically can apply them. Of course, you'll hear and, and be able to pick up things if you are in sales or over sales and marketing that would apply to both. Um, but this goes back to my story time, Andrew, is these are the things that it, it's one, these are the quote unquote dark arts of advertising. You know, they certainly could be used in inappropriate, potentially even immoral ways. However, they're also kind of the limit of what advertising can do to you. Um, again, it's not brainwashing. It's gotcha. making and, you. And we do these naturally on our own without even thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. To, to some extent, like we do this. So it's, it's not even. Yeah, I do agree. Like you can manipulate like and that's like 
maybe immoral to some to some, but we do this like every day, like without even thinking like, oh, I did it this. So I did that. Yes. And, and little could, kids are the best at it. Right. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. I'll never forget. I had just gone through a sales training class where someone was teaching about, you know, different closing techniques. And they're like the either or close. And I come home. And at the time, I think Avery was four years old. And she's like, you know, Dad, would you like to go to Disney World or Walmart tomorrow? And it's like, OK, I see what you're doing there. Uh, one is clearly the better choice. We're not going there. But that's a good <laughs> technique that that you picked up without getting trained on it whatsoever. Um, so let's first we'll break down the six uh, laws of influence that Caldini discovered. And what's important, again, is it doesn't matter where you live, how much money you make, how smart you are. These are the six. I call them kind of like holes or blind spots in your brain that marketers and salespeople and people uh, use all the time to try to get us to take a desired course of action. So and um, Andrew, you've seen this firsthand with a couple of the projects we've been working on in the presale program. Mm -hmm. This is. Right. Completely integrated. All, all of these are integrated into that pre-sale process. And we'll break down that a little bit, too. All right. Uh, sure. Go ahead and read off the first one for us, Andrew. Yeah. First one, reciprocation. When someone gives you something or does you a favor, you're more likely to do what they ask. Yep. So we all know that, you know, that's true. That's why um, people give you free samples in the food court at the mall. Right. Hey, try my free sample. Do you want some? Now you just there's this little party that feels bad if you're like, no, I'm not even going to. No. Yeah, it, it's that free trial is the hook. So that one uh, isn't going to be earth shattering, but it definitely does work. It, it can influence people. Uh, the next one is consistency, which is getting someone to agree to something and that that momentum to continue to be in agreement or be consistent with behavior or information that you've expressed in the past. Um, basically, uh, the person that you are projecting, you want to make sure you keep that projection intact. Uh, That's right. And that and these really oh, good. They and oh, they overlap. I was going to say they overlap. Like if you think back to the food court example, like here, I'll give you this for free. And then like, OK, you're more likely to buy. And consistently, you got this for free. You ate it. Now keep going this way. You'll keep eating what you just did. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that and I, I got to see Caldini speak um, and meet him at an event in Wisconsin. Gosh, now seven or eight years ago. Oh, very cool. But in in the book and at the event that I I went to, he he does describe this kind of hockey puck or exponential effect when you layer these things on top of each other. That's when it really does get incredibly hard uh, to resist if if you already have a predisposition or or a desire that has already begun to do the thing that someone's trying to influence you towards. Um, so without a doubt, in, in the pre-sale program, the way this works uh, very well is that uh, for those of you who've read the book, we're talking about the home first and we're getting them to choose a specific floor plan and do um, general structural options. And we're not talking at all about the home site. And that's because they're going to ask about the home site, which is not that information hasn't been released yet. And so we give them a little bit of dialogue to say that, you know, unfortunately, that information is not available. It will be soon. But then we can turn that right back around and say, but tell me what you're looking for in a home site. And that law of consistency says whatever comes out of their mouth, you will be able to use to reinforce that when you actually go to the preview event. So when they see all the home sites in front of them, 
and they rush towards the largest home site on the map just because you can refocus their efforts and say, you know, but you told me you didn't want to do a lot of extra yard maintenance or you told me you didn't, you know, that one has a large home site premium. You said you didn't want a home site premium. Uh, and so that can keep people from getting stacked on top of the, the same home site because one of my favorite jokes uh, of all time in this business, Andrew, is that unfortunately you can only sell each home site once. So there's no, there's no benefit to getting five people who all want the same one. No, not at all. All right. What's the next one? Consensus. So when you're unsure about a decision, you look for social proof from those around you. Yeah. So that's just shortcutting the process. We've talked about before that Amazon's choice, uh, five stars with tons of reviews or four and a half stars, tons of reviews is kind of a no brainer. When you're already close or you're unsure about a decision, you look towards the herd around you, that herd mentality to say, uh, and, and essentially what it is, is you, the assumption is a whole bunch of people have thought about this more deeply than I want to, or, or can at this moment. And so I'm going to trust in the herd to have already determined the best choice uh, forward. That's right. We see those on Facebook ads too. Exactly. Facebook posts in general, if there's a lot of engagement on it and then using that as like remarketing or just letting those ads live for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, Oh, all 4,500 people said they liked this photo. Okay. Then I think I'm okay with reaching out to that builder. Yep. Yeah. And that's also one of the first lessons in advertising they teach you is if you're number one in anything, tell everyone about it. So, uh, when we had a struggling high, high end community in Peters township, uh, Pennsylvania, just South of Pittsburgh, it was struggling, but guess what? It was still the number one selling community in Peters Township. So next time we had to update the signage or add a starburst, it was number one community. Because so that's that's still telling everyone that if you want to live in Peters, this is still the the most successful plan uh, among them. And so that's just a great rule to always keep in mind is, and you can zoom in and zoom out. So you may not be the number one selling builder in Pittsburgh, but are you the number one selling builder in Peters Township or the number one in Southern Peters Township or the number, you know, so you can keep keep uh, slicing and dicing that all kinds sneaky. of different ways. Sneaky, yep. sneaky. Uh, likeability or, or liking. So all things being equal, you're going to want to do business with someone that you like. Uh, so that's one thing that, you know, you can't teach. We just say, you know, don't hire uh, annoying or slash stupid people who are, who are frustrating your customers, but you just have to be friendly and likable because that will ultimately be a tiebreaker. Um, as yeah. long as all these other pieces are consistent or similar. Mm-hmm. Next one up is authority. So those with expertise or power, like doctors or the police, or the trappings of power, like uniforms, wield more influence. So yeah, and look the part. this one's exactly look the part, speak the part, own the part. This is the one that when I am talking to groups of salespeople about the pre-sale process, I say this is the thing I see relented to the customer. And that's where I, you know, I, I, I love Jeff Shore's approach of conversational and, and pulling things out in the four, two formula. And all that is absolutely true. You just, you still have to not relinquish full authority or make it feel like the customer, um, they might have more data than you, but are they the expert? So you're trying to pull out. And again, Jeff makes this very clear. I'm not saying there's any confusion at all in how Jeff approaches it, but sometimes when I talk to people they're saying, well, I just let the customer tell me everything they're looking for and let them pick out the floor plan. And I'm just, I'm, you're kind of just like, what value are you adding there? Order taker. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So 
when someone tells you they want a 3000 square foot home, the authority sales rep, the sales rep using authority is going to say, what are you going to do with those 3000 square feet? What does that mean to you? So that you can get a clearer picture and then you're going to show them the house that you believe is going to be the best fit for them. What this also means is um, when you're a sales rep, uh, it is important to know how to do things that they flat out don't. So the uniform uh, example here is directly relatable to walking home sites on paper. What I tell people all the time is you might have a customer who says, you know, I've bought new homes before and I've been through this process and I, I know, I know, I know, I know. And as soon as you pull out a scale, uh, which is basically a ruler just to a certain dimension and the site plan and start measuring out how much side yard they're going to have backyard and you show them all those extra little lines on the paper, what they mean and how it all works. They are like blown away and they understand that you are an expert in our authority. So even in the uh, home construction part of the business, that's one of the reasons that um, they have site superintendents usually will always have a measuring tape on their hip. One, it's practical. Two, uh, a measuring tape on the hip and a clipboard or a hard hat communicates to a customer who might be walking or visiting the community that that's the person in charge. Yep. And so it just conveys that sense of authority. Uh, last one is scarcity, which is is probably the most, of course, of all of them. Uh, but that law of supply and demand. However, the thing that people miss is it's not just scarcity of of actual physical stuff, but scarcity of opportunity or information. And, and so that scarcity of information, and I, I've noticed that more and more people are talking about it this way, um, like we have for, for several years now, is that fear of missing out is huge when it comes to advertising. And so uh, one of the things we talk about a lot is don't give away the farm with your, your copy. You know, you're, you're, gaining awareness, you're teasing the information and you want them to oftentimes leave the space they're at and come to your site to get the full information. Yep. And so that, that idea of, I'm not going to use the community name because I'm just going to say the number one selling community in Peter's township, dot, dot, dot. And they have to click and come visit your website and be exposed to all that you have to offer and a deeper message in order to, um, to, to understand exactly where that is. That fear of missing out on scarce information um, is, is a huge part of influence. So let's just zip back through all these real fast, Andrew, and talk about how we might apply them, uh, more specifically to Facebook or AdWords or remarketing messages, mm -hmm. um, generally. Good idea. So, so we, I, uh, let's start backwards. Like we're, we're, okay. we're on, on scarcity. Yeah. So check, we did scarcity. We that did was scarcity. easy. That okay. one was, that was good because <laughs> we just did it. And then, um, mm -hmm. yeah, authority. Authority so on the marketing yeah. side. How would you apply that to Facebook? Because that one, I actually am having a tougher time on on the authority side for say face on the marketing, say Facebook, a Facebook mm -hmm. ad. Um, the other ones are easier for Facebook, like liking and consensus. Like yep. you're following the herd. But authority, how can you show authority within a Facebook ad for a home? Uh, Facebook in particular might still be tricky, but. In essence, I'm, uh, what immediately comes to my mind is the new home specialist or the online salesperson who is the face of the company. Uh, you know, you're, you're calling them a new home specialist. And we've, we've done this before where we will have a remarketing campaign on Facebook that kind of introduces this person as being the expert in the area, the authority 
so to speak, on this home builder and all the locations in the homes. And if you want great information or insightful stuff that maybe you can't find online, I'm the person to talk to. And I think an important part of that is what they look like needs to look like they know what they're talking about with the home. So I think one of my favorite ones to do that is if they could have their pictures within mm -hmm. a model home or yep. within multiple homes, because then when you're looking at the picture, usually on the website, you'll have like their their face, like the thumbnail. Uh -huh. And then if it you click it and say it pops up and it's like, hey, I'm here to help you, et cetera, et cetera. And then it might be a different angle or like a different location within the home. You're like, oh, this person's actually there with the product. Like, cool. So what you're saying like is you this. don't want the cubicle farm in the background that they're actually sitting no. in and doing work out of. Yeah, no, I think that's a, no I think that's a really good farm. point. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, authority is also communicated in email messaging. This is why marketers uh, in your company are such sticklers, salespeople. If you want to send out mass emails and you don't want to have marketing look over them for communication and spelling and tone and all those other things. I mean, it's that old saying of everyone assumes uh, one thing until you prove them otherwise. There's no quicker way to, to reduce the perception perception of authority on your behalf than to send out an email that just poorly expresses what you're trying to say uh, or worse. <laughs> so or even like down to like misspellings or like mm -hmm. weird grammar, like any of that will be like, Oh, do you really know what you're talking about? You didn't spell that right. Or those little things I think are, are important to, to make sure it's correct. Exactly. Um, so, so liking, you know, that's, that's just, I think choosing, um, friendly, upbeat, positive imagery, of course, uh, whether that's of the person or the communities. And that's that's obviously important. It's also the tone, again, of of, you know, being approachable in today's environment. I think in the old days, luxury premium was all kind of standoffish and kind of if you're good enough, you'll know. And very, very, very few brands today will ever get away with that. It, it all has to be approachable in terms of the tone and messaging. Um, and then, of course, uh, a smiling face. If you're an online salesperson, uh, don't be Debbie Downer where you're just, you know, grimacing at people. <laughs> no. No and I'm only saying that because I know there are some of those. I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them out in the wild, too. I'm like, how does this how does this work? Yeah, I don't know. But I'm never talking to that there. person. It looks like I'm about to Ever. be in trouble. Yep, that's right. Uh, consensus. consensus. Yep. This one was easy with Facebook social proof. That's like the easy side. Um, mm -hmm. I think as, as far as remarketing, video testimonials go a long way of actual owners talking about their experience because that's even more social proof and it's individual. Um, so I think that's, a, that's yep. definitely a good one. Those any type of testimonial. Yeah, any kind of testimonial example. Um, that's where that whole third party valid validation comes in. Um, Consistency is, again, I think going back to being very strategic on your messaging. So, for example, if you're an online salesperson listening to this or a new home specialist, if someone signed up for information about new homes in an area of town and shockingly, you give them a phone call or send them an email and they don't respond and then you send another one and they still don't respond. At some point, is it OK? Uh, this is a this is a question more than a declarative statement. Is it OK to say? you know, implicitly, but also kindly and with authority. <laughs> uh, hey, um, you said you were looking for this information and I just want to make sure, are you still looking for this information? Cause I can stop. And so 
what I'm not saying is the the whole cheeky like uh, make them feel bad that they're not responding to you. But I think you can still draw that out of, hey, I'm, I'm only doing this because you told me you were interested in this information. If you're not, no problem. Let me know. I'd be happy to take you off the list. But there will certainly be certain people who will respond to that message, um, understanding that, yeah, you're right. This isn't spam. They actually I did sign up for the list. And and I've also had good success in the past with remarketing uh, display images to that effect of, um, you know, making sure they know that the next step is ready to be taken. And the only reason I'm telling you is because you've already expressed that you are interested in taking that step. That makes sense. Reciprocation. What do you think? Oh, I'm thinking actually, I don't know. I don't know what work this would be, but it would be the, I guess, almost opposite. I'm thinking like lead gen, um, getting leads on like a landing page. I'm giving you this information for your contact information as, as far as, I don't, is that, that's like reverse reciprocation. This <laughs> no. is what's going to happen. And we're going in a circle here, but mm-hmm. give me this and I'll give you that. So we're really the ones that are, are starting, are starting or they are the, the visitor to the landing page is the one that starts sure. the reciprocation process. But that principle is still there without a doubt. And you're right. I mean, everyone always struggles with registration for walk-in traffic. How do I get these people to want to give me their information? You've got to provide some, some, amount of value back for that information they're giving you. And my favorite one that people always complain about, well, that's hard, Kevin. I don't, it's going, it's going to be hard. Uh, that's my new, it's hard voice. That's a thing now. It's starting I, right now. I, I knew that. <laughs> um, I just, cause I'm, I'm writing an article right now for professional builder on all the things that are hard, but get over it already. The consumer is demanding it. You've got to figure it out. And one of the things when it comes to getting people to register on site is I, Imagine if when someone come into the model home, you could tell them, you know what, I've got this iPad here and, and it's going to sync up to your CRM. And if you give me your first name, last name and email address or phone number, uh, I guess in this specific example, it'd have to be an email address. If you give me your email address. I'd be I'd love to send you a one sheet um, PDF, essentially, or a link to a website that's not available publicly of all the selections and paint colors that are in this model home. Because that's one of the questions people always have is, what is that wall color? What kind of floor is that? What is this countertop? And so if you were right up front able to say, you know what, you don't have to worry about all that because I'm going to give it to you. Just take a minute and a half and give me your valid contact information so I can I can make sure you get that. Yeah, it's it's hard. You got to go look up the file and figure out what's in the house. And but I'm telling you, everyone loves that once you get it in place. Uh, specifically for events like Prada Homes and the like, that's just a great oh, way yeah. to capture as many pe- people who are walking through the model home as possible. I'd be interested to see if that has an effect on different upgrade options that are maybe more that are less thought about. Like, oh, I really like that level trim or something like that, or like that paint color, and maybe it costs a little bit more or something. Like having that, like, oh, we really love that in the master bedroom. Let's make sure we get that, and it's just forgot about later in the process when they're buying. But uh-huh. because they got that information up front. They're looking at it two or three hours later over dinner or something. They're like, oh, we got to have that. Write that down. Well, and, and I'm going to make the stat up because I can't remember it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to make the number up. But there was a study. This was done, gosh, almost seven years ago. Ooh, that even ancient. then it, it showed. Yeah, ancient. It <laughs> showed that people who do more research online prior to making a purchase spent on average 25, 30 percent ish more. Again, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was a significant amount more. And that happens all the time. In fact, that's why I like Amazon so much is 
if I, you know, I had to buy a snowblower because we have a longer driveway when we move back to Columbus, even though we get less snow. And I'm looking at snowblowers and like the reality is I probably should have just gotten like a $200 plug in thing because I'm only going to use it twice a year. No big deal. But the more you research it, you're like, oh, there's these different blade types and horsepower and all these different features that would kind of be great. And so that that goes back to last week again with that on site search. One of the things that I loved about having that was our website back then had the ability to do an on site search. You could just type in something like angled angled island. And it would pull up every image, blog post, model home that had an angled island into this collective kind of search result page. And customers who were in the process of picking out options and selections just went crazy for that because you could just type in whatever selection it was you wanted to see photos of and get a search result back and really, you know, continue that shopping process online. Now, this is before things like Envision and um uh, I forget what the, I think Envision is the name of the product from, uh, from BDX that kind of this virtual design studio. Gotcha. But yeah, pe- people love that stuff. People absolutely love that oh, stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pinterest house, like. Zillow, even, you know, just show me all the stuff. Let me keep learning more show and more me. and more. Okay. So here's, here are the takeaways. One is marketers. You can use these tools of persuasion to tap into natural tendencies of human beings. And to defend yourself against this messaging, you if more aware you are of these triggers. The joke is you're still going to fall prey to them. It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, it does. That's why the best salespeople are usually the easiest to sell to because they just get that those same tendencies are there. It doesn't matter as a marketer. I know I'm falling prey to them. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then when you're making a decision yourself about something. You can take the time to examine the evidence to dis- to, to determine if you're acting emotionally or not, and then go ahead and have a good laugh about the reality that pretty much every decision you make is emotional anyway. That's right. So you're lying to yourself if you think it's not. <laughs> this last one, though, this last takeaway, I think is incredibly important My when you're trying to learn and grow, especially when it comes to advertising and marketing is consider the motives and interests of those people who are trying to persuade you using these six principles. Because at every educational session you go to, webinar you hear, article you read, there is a motive. Mm -hmm. And you have to make sure you have a good sense of the individual, uh, specifically the company they work for. Why are they doing this? Why are they sharing this? What do they want me to do? I think that's, that's the, as, as someone who's always trying to not be taken advantage of and make sure that other people are not taken advantage of. You know, that is a motive of mine is I do not want uh, someone that I know or a home builder to be taken advantage of to do something that is not in their best interest. hundred percent. All right. I think we've, uh, yeah. So if you have not read um, influence psychology of persuasion by Caldini, get the audio book, get the real book. Yes, he has written newer books. There's persuasion and others. I'm telling you, this one is required reading. Go back and pretty much every sales process known to man on the sales end as well. If you if you unpack everything and kind of go back to the source, every sales process is built around uh, versions of these same six principles as well. It's a great book. I got it right here in front of me. All right. Let's um, let's shift to uh, responses from last week's question of the week and talk about this week's question of the week. So pulling up the uh, Market Proof Marketing yeah, Facebook group, uh, 110 of you in there now or so. Uh, yeah, love seeing that. 
And there's more yeah. questions too. Like, um, not like there's more questions outside of our question of the week, which is, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always interesting when you just see, Oh, uh, people are just coming back again and again to answer questions from a month ago. That's awesome. Uh, so this, this last week's question again was what's the most challenging part of SEO for you to wrap your own head around and, and understand in, in order to work better with an SEO partner or try to tackle it on your own. And again, that the idea here was, you know, Technical, structural, on-page content issues, maps, business listings, local SEO challenges. Um, Martha's answer, and then I'll let you uh, read Cindy's as well, was, you know, I think it's overwhelming for marketers not using trusted industry partners to navigate this. I'm sure many people are contacted by supposed SEO experts, back to the motives uh, we talked about, trying to bait you with getting top position and other promises when it is not going to net you any better results. Uh, Skip ahead is... Uh, things you can do on your own versus what you should pay for is another thing that's hard to know at times. Not to mention the ever-changing strategy of SEO is something you should leave up to experts in this industry if you're not already that Damn. person. Yeah, a lot, a lot of truth there. I can't tell you the number of times that a builder partner has said I'm engaging with SEO firm X. Um, and there are people who do a lot of marketing online, typically. I don't have a lot of free content or good content that's, you know, it's like they have a landing page of we're great at SEO and yeah, then you, you fall into yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but I know more than more builders than I can count on both hands in the past two years who have, who have gone through this process and paid, any, you know, $2,000, $5,000 a month uh, for an SEO service. And at the end of a year, you know, not even talking about a quarter or a couple months, but at the end of the year, it's kind of like, what did I really get yeah, for this? What? And then uh, Cindy had a couple, yeah, couple she, good thoughts. She definitely one. So on-page content, how to create it for both the user and for SEO so it doesn't sound like it was written for SEO. And that's going back to when you think about like keyword stuffing, like these new homes in Tampa are great. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a new home in Tampa, we have 10 communities in Tampa. And it's like, well, okay, no one types like that. <laughs> Google knows that. Um, so pretty much on-page content, that is, that is a challenge. That's. And so, Cindy, here's um, here's a couple of good resources for you. Some of those are from uh, Andrew's uh, link bit.ly slash market proof tools. All one word. Andrew, Andrew's got, I don't know, 10 free yeah, tools, cool. maybe that's, more. Uh, that's Andrew G um, at Lunametrics. Yeah, it's cool for him to put it together. Like exactly. Put, so put some time into that, making those easy for us to to get with the shortened links. Yeah, Google Search Console and Data Studio to pull data out of there and, and visualize it. SEM Rush, um, which lets you keep tabs on specific uh, keywords in terms of positioning and tracking. Uh, there's all kinds of great things on here. But Cindy, at the end of the day, I'm always reminded by um, I've heard both Steve Shoemaker and Will Duterstadt, who have both already been on the podcast, uh, reference this spending time in the model homes and listening to the conversations that are happening. And if you hear the same question being asked uh, more than once, that's a good clue that you probably could create some great content around that on your site. It's not going to be seen or used by everybody, of course, but it, it helps you uh, understand some of the missing, missing holes that you have to fill. That's right. All right, Cindy, we'll get you a market proof marketing t-shirt. And I apologize, guys. I had a huge fail. Um, for some reason, I only ordered medium and larger. Uh, shirt sizes so um need some smalls yeah sorry martha and cindy and others um you're getting a medium maybe it'll shrink if you put it in uh, extra high heat uh or maybe i'll order some smalls and you can have two down the line yeah, there you go 
Okay, this week's question of the week is what, Andrew? Yeah, this is a really simple one, but it should be fun. What is your favorite business or marketing book? Yeah, that's it. That's all of it. Uh, but we talked about influence uh, this week on the podcast, and we wanted to know what are kind of your all-time great uh, business marketing advertising books. I'll, I'll throw one more out at you, which is an all-time favorite of mine is The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding is one of my favorites. Andrew, you, can you think of another one off the top of your head? Ooh, Choose. some nerdy ones. Oh, oh, man. oh man. Just one. Actually, I've... I have my bookshelf right here behind me. I'm looking through. Which one is my favorite? Just one. <laughs> There's too many. Um, this one's getting nerdy. It's called Dotcom Secrets. Russell Brunson. Russell Brunson. Yeah, he made ClickFunnels. And there's not a lot that applies directly to home building, but just his process of selling products. And so that's where like landing pages and all that type of thing kind of comes from. Yeah. Yep. And any book that has secrets in the title has to be good. I know. I know. It's a terrible (laughs) name. (laughs) No, it's perfect. If you want to sell books, Uh, I think I think someone did a study on that. Put the word secret. That's and and that's his reciprocation. You actually hit that was his lead. That's his lead piece. Like you sign up to get a book for free. I bought Uh it because I didn't want the product. And then it's that's his advertising piece to sell his product. Clickfunnels.com, which is 100 bucks a month. So he's sending you a book for $7, you pay for shipping, and then here, the goal is to get you to use his product. Oh, you still have to pay for shipping, so you get a free book, but you still pay. You get the free book, yeah, it's the free plus shipping model. Um, Yeah, shenanigans. I like him already. I'm going to have to read more about this guy. Yeah, I like it. It's interesting. All right, guys. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Market Proof Marketing. And remember, for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check us out at doyouconvert.com. And it's also the best way to find ways to connect with Andrew, uh, myself, and other members of the Deconvert team on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. It's all there. We'll see you all next week. 